Hockey episode 184. We're calling this one the Mike Bossy episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Mike Bossy, fortunately, passed away this week. A legend of the game. You know, it's it's interesting. Mike, I've always heard Mike Bossy's name, and it, but he was before my time, so I never got to see him play. Same, yeah. But I heard boatloads of how great of a human he was and how great of a scorer he was. And the thing is, he was on the cusp. He was like just before kind of the Gretzky and Lemieux era. So um, I've always known that he's this uh, prolific goal scorer in, I guess, nine consecutive seasons with 50-plus goals scored. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately we lost a legend, and you can tell that by the outpour of support from the hockey community. And the Islanders did a pretty cool tribute tonight. They had his number illuminated on the ice, and then uh, it kind of went quiet, and they just illuminated his number up in the rafters. They have That's so cool. many numbers that are yeah. retired up right. there, right? Um, and so they just put a, a big spotlight on his, which is really cool. And the uh, the crowd erupted into this big bossy. Boss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool. So uh, that was a cool tribute, and you're right. He's a legend. He is lost. Uh, I promise that our show won't be that much of a downer, but we thought that it was appropriate to uh, start with that. Uh, This is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown, at Darren Fun Brown, and also the Twitter intern for at Sound underscore Hockey (laughs) on the Twitter, joined as always by Andy Ide. Hello, Andy. How's it going? I'm at Andy Ide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle. We have a fantastic show this week because we welcome on none other than the legendary local NHL linesman, Vaughn roadie uh he gave us a lot of his time and he's awesome and he is retiring this week and the timing could not have been better because his last game is wednesday against the colorado avalanche seattle Kraken, colorado avalanche at clamp pledge arena so uh you will be witnessing something special if you're there in attendance on great interview stick around for that yes you are going to enjoy it uh we actually have three Five-star reviews Whoa. to share. Uh, so, I I mean, this week I'm not going to whine because we got three <laughs> And then reviews. there'll be none next week, and then you'll whine again. Yeah, and that that's, it's an ongoing yes. vicious cycle. <laughs> uh, first one comes from El Sidley. It says, review. This is a podcast review. The review is positive. The aforementioned podcast is a hockey podcast. Said podcast is rated at five stars. <laughs> All right. All right. Right, to the, point. right yeah. to the point. Yeah, very yeah. provocative. WSU yeah. Jeff gives us five stars as well. He says, finally getting around to this. I actually started listening to every episode back in November, so I apologize for it taking this long. Hey, better late than never. That's, That's true. Right. That's true. Uh, to finally do this, but story time, I took my wife's cousin's fiance, no idea what to call someone of this relationship, <laughs> to the wild game for one of my games in my group's season tickets. He grew up in Minnesota, lived here for a while, and has played his whole life, but they just moved to Canada, and they wanted an excuse to come back and visit. He suggested a bar pregame where he introduced me to John, our own John, who he knew <laughs> and happened to be there. We took some shots, drank some beers, watched the Kraken get completely outclassed 4-2, to two, then drank some more at another bar after. I don't remember many parts of the evening, but I did remember to subscribe to Sound of Hockey after, and I've listened to every episode <laughs> since. So thanks to Joe for the recommendation. Wow, amazing. That's a cool oh, story. Very cool. And our last one comes from A2600, which that one sounds familiar. I think A2600 has reviewed us before. So thanks for popping back in. It says, top-notch Seattle area hockey podcast. Look no further for your Seattle area Kraken-focused hockey news. This podcast is terrific. Darren, John, and Andy cover the Kraken with humor, good-natured appreciation for an admittedly struggling team. And when the situation calls for its seriousness, their interviews (laughs) with members of the Kraken org are fantastic, especially Joey Decord's multiple appearances. Couldn't agree more. Uh, And my favorite segment 
is everyone's favorite segment, Goalie Gear Corner. Looking forward to hearing from these guys as the franchise develops. This podcast always skips to the top of my listening queue as soon as it drops. Thank you so much, A2600, WSU Jeff, and El Sidley. El Sidley, that was really profound. You really thought that out. Yeah, I like his name, though. His or her name, El Sidley. Well, if it was, I would think that if it was female, it would be La Sidley. Sure. In theory. Yeah, okay. I mean, do we assume that El Sidley habla español? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Podemos hablar solamente en español por el resto del podcast. Sure. Okay. A little party trick for you. So anyway, good show. We are in Bardown Studios tonight. So it's been a while since we've been back in studio, so that's fun. Uh, John, I know that you had a little housekeeping item on here. Uh, what did you want to say about Matchbox 20? <laughs> <laughs> well, um... He's given him a listen. Now he's a super fan. There okay. was a uh, dialogue... In the old Discord this week, uh-huh. um, and it turned into like pretty much a hate on John for <laughs> for not knowing who Matchbox Twenty was or Rob Thomas was, and not watching Home Alone. So that's still uh, a point of contention on the Discord. Yeah, I'm I'm still upset with you. So, about that one but too. eventually somebody posted a video of Santana and Rob Thomas. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm not clicking on that link, but <laughs> I eventually did. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay, I've heard of him before. So yeah. now I know a song by Rob Rob Thomas. All right. Yeah. Great. Way to come clean on that one. Uh, let's start with some Kraken talk. So it's been two games since uh, since we last spoke to you all, both home games, and not much happened in either of them. They were no, both... pretty boring. I think we should just skip to the weekly segments or Sounds something. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Let's so... only talk about Kraken losses from now on. Let's not skip yeah, over the wins. Yeah, this is a Kraken loss yeah. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> No, okay, so in all seriousness, uh, the Devils game was one of those games that's very much going to stick with me, I think, as I look mm-hmm. back on this season. Uh, it was a memorable, memorable night, even though I did have to go back and watch the highlights to try to remember what happened. <laughs> but uh, what I did remember is that Matty Beneers scored in his first home game. Uh, it was a play where I think Jared McCann deflected a Vince Dunn shot off the post, and then the puck just kind of rattled around in the crease on a tee for Matty Beneers to swoop in and shoot it into an open net. So probably one of his easier goals, right? But man, the crowd was electric that night and it was so cool. And we talked about the buzz, right? About Matty Beneers in the mm-hmm, last episode. Mm-hmm. Obviously we talked about it almost ad, ad nauseum, but uh, you know, when they announced his name before as being part of the starting lineup, it was so loud in there. And then when he scored and they announced the goal, it was even louder. And I'm, I mean, it was awesome. Like what a cool environment. I thought it was up there with with, with uh, Vince Dunn's first goal in the in the arena, the in terms of like how loud, it yeah, is. yeah, it was. It, I, I'd love to hear that. I don't know if anybody was measuring this, but I would love <laughs> to know the decibels because it was it was it felt just as loud. And what a moment! And you know, it felt like everything he did. And then he gets a shootout attempt where he almost scored again. He hit the on post. There, hit the post on the yeah. shootout. Do you think he Allison was, tracks decibels? I'm sure she Probably. does. Okay. She she did know how many touches he had. She did. <laughs> we joked about that last week. She called us out on Twitter. She's like, "Hey, just FYI, dude, it was not 180, times? whatever we said no. it was." But well, we said it was 183. Um, but. Well, no, no, no. Well, touches well, the- touches. I'm saying like if you essentially dribble it or puck handle it, mm-hmm. that's multiple touches. Not okay. Just oh sure sure just oh, possessions. Wow. Let's come on. Yeah, like, what are we counting here? I don't think that's quite how that gets no, tracked. No duh. But... I was counting. Uh-huh. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I could I could galaxy brain myself into believing that that's what you're talking about there. So, but yeah, that was an amazing night. It was a fun night. Um, if he had scored on that, if he had converted that shootout, I don't know if the building would have withstood the oh my gosh. Yeah. from the crowd. Yeah, it was nuts. Um, I did get a kick out of watching the replay and seeing his family that that were all there, and his dad was very very just. 
nonchalant about it. He's like, oh, yes, my son scored clapping, you know, yeah. and the rest of his family's going crazy all around him. The crowd's going crazy. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like that. You know, his family was at the practice on Sunday, and there are only, like, a couple folks from the media because it was Easter morning, and they only practiced for, like, 30 minutes, but um, his family showed up, and they were, like, on their way out. Um, and I don't know if I technically should tell this story because it was definitely off the record, but I think it's pretty uh, lighthearted. So his dad said that he had dropped him off at the rink. And so one of the other media folks was like, well, that's pretty cool that, you know, he's in the NHL and you're still driving him. Dad's to the rink, still dropping right? off of the rink. And he yeah. goes, well, he's not old enough to rent a car. And I was like, oh, <laughs> isn't that yeah. crazy? Isn't that's that amazing. crazy? Suppose that's true. He, yeah. You know, he's definitely like not 70,000 people went crazy the night before because yeah. of something he did. But no, yeah. no, no can't sir, get a car. We can't yeah. give you a car. Sorry. Well, and there's these little things that keep popping up, right? That remind you like, <laughs> hey, uh, this kid is 19. Like his the video we talked about last week where he's like, oh, is the food in first class free? You know, like, yeah. So anyway, uh, it was just awesome debut. And then he followed it up with uh, with another goal against the Senators a couple nights later. Uh, that one was like, it was a little bit lucky, if I'm being honest. He made a nice play. It's a high tip. Uh, good Adam Larson, good hand-eye coordination. Adam Larson put it right on the money with the kind of a shot pass. It was a long range tip, though. He mm-hmm. tipped it from between the circles. Why do, why do you, because it deflected off of a body. I think it was going wide. Oh. And it changed directions a little bit and oh, went it, in. So it did? I didn't notice. I believe so. Yeah, I saw a couple different angles, I'm pretty sure. But you know, can I ask you guys something about that goal? Because that happened so quick. I mean, it was just a little quick flick of the stick. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the crowd realized that was him at first. No. I mean, I was... Well, but, and that's why I like went and watched it a few times to try I to figure sure. out. Because yeah. I thought the puck changed directions a second time, which yeah. it did. Because I think it hit a senator. So uh, I think that's what happened. So And it, it was like, wait, who actually touched that last for the crack? And yeah. then they didn't announce it right away either. I feel yeah, like there, there was, was like a, delay. a TV timeout or something. Yeah, there was a TV timeout. And then they waited for it to come back. Um, I thought Everly had scored at first because he was right in front of the goal. Mm-hmm. and then uh, But then he, I, I noticed he immediately went to the corner where Beneers was celebrating. So I thought, oh, wait, that's Maddie Beneers goal. Beneers yeah. celebrated pretty hard. Yeah, he, and I, I don't think the crowd. The, the it was a much more subdued reaction, and it was a it was a game time goal, so it should have been a big deal. I but then they showed his face, they showed him on the bench. I think during that commercial, and you could kind of hear this the din. People were figuring it out, like, oh, they're yeah. showing Matty Beneers. Yeah, maybe he scored that. You kind of hear this like rising level. Then it got loud when they announced it. But so I think that you know the initial like really huge blast of hype has started to settle a little bit. I think people are super excited that Beneers is here. But I think that first, like, oh, my God, we got to get a glimpse of this guy. Like, I think people have seen him a little bit now. They're going to start to settle in and just kind of appreciate the player that he is. You don't think if he might bring out people that might not ordinarily have come? Maybe. Well, maybe he will. For one. Because there's been a lot of hype about him Mm -hmm. everywhere this week. I mean, we we haven't talked about him much, though. First first game was uh, on a Saturday Uh uh, against the Devils. That's true. Devils theoretically bring more fans i mean i know they haven't been that great of a team lately but they still have a loyal fan people base from my generation that saw them win a bunch of cups yeah I, somehow i know a lot of devils fans but but then monday against the ottawa senators is going to be a little more subdued. yeah i was wondering about the draw that night so, and it was a makeup game too right that's right so. we and we only have one more friday game mm-hmm. um which is the last game of the season so we might not get to experience like what normal the new That's normal true. is with veneers but they're playing hot yeah one thing i loved about since we're still talking about gushing veneers, over Maddie, yeah exactly uh, during Matty <laughs> hour yeah <laughs> what about uh in the third there was a power play or no sorry it was the second period there was a power play after he had scored i like i know where you're going where he was on top of the umbrella for a bit he was kind of in the right hash for a bit and then he was on the other side too almost scored 
and kind Great of shot. like yeah, work Weinberg some plays. set him up right from the left side. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's just like, holy crap. Like, I was just impressed that they're moving him around that quickly uh, on the power play, and you're like, start to look at his versatility too. Yeah, I was kind of watching him on that play just for whatever reason my eyes caught him, and he, he anticipated there. I mean, I watched him. He was kind of skating slowly, and then he saw there's going to be an opening right there, and he just he skated yeah. hard to it. Wenberg's found him, and I thought, man, that was a pretty sneaky good play. Like, he – he saw that coming. Yeah, it was just it was just interesting to see him play in all all three typical forward positions. And he's uh, still doing things without the puck. I mean, Hacksaw yep. always is quick to bring that up more than he is the goals. He's yep. like he continues to impress me away from the puck on defense. You know, center's a tough position because you got to play a lot. Of, you're almost yep. like the third defenseman when the puck's in your zone. And that can, if you're a younger player, do you sometimes not worry about that as much because you probably never had to growing yep. up as yep. much? But yeah, uh, he's on board with that. He there were, like he there were some other players board. on the ice though. That's that, true. Yeah. There were. And one last thing about Beniers before we move on and talk about other players because yes as you just mentioned there were other players on the ice uh, and we forgot to mention it but his little dipsy doodles in overtime in his first game against the Devils well I guess it was the second game first home game uh, where he picks the puck up on his sick and juggles it around I think it was Pavel Zaka uh, and then he draws a penalty driving in the net and he then on the power play tries to go between his own legs to score <laughs> I mean yep. that was insane uh, man what a confident kid uh, that game also I, I wanted to point out that uh, Grubauer as long as talking about other players Grubar made a huge save on Pavel Zaka in the middle of that second period uh, and I think that was kind of a game changer so shout out to him that was definitely one of those narrative turning point type of plays he got a little testy in that game too mm-hmm. uh, in the third period there was a save where he kind of got swept out of the he he covered the puck and kind of got swept out of the crease and he got up talking to some of those devils guys and he tapped his stick into the blue paint like yeah this is you can't touch me in here. Yeah, and he said, "Go right back to hell, you devil." <laughs> <laughs> We're the devils. So then the Senators game wanted to mention the play of Daniel Sprong and Victor Rask. So Victor Rask is number one star of the night. He sets up Sprong in the first period with a great pass right through the seam. You guys know I love a good seam pass on the power mm-hmm. play. Uh, right across the ice, and Sprong just blasts away from the left circle. Uh, he is really set up to to shoot from there. Interestingly, after the game, uh, he was talking about everything that he learned from Alex Ovechkin playing in Washington. You know, obviously that's his spot, right? But I asked him, I was like, well, how is it to kind of get an opportunity in that spot? He's like, well, it's kind of where I've played all my career, but when you're playing behind the best goal scorer in like the history of the game or whatever he called him, uh, you have to move around a little bit. So I thought that was pretty interesting insight, what he shared there. Uh, And, you know, those are two guys. We talked to to Hackstall about those two guys specifically the day before, or at least I did. Uh, And he kind of said like, you know, Rask has a good stick. He's a smart player. Sprong, he came in hot, but then his two-way game has been lacking. We had a conversation. He was very forthcoming to to share that they had kind of been talking behind the scenes about his play. Um, but these guys have to start showing something, right? I mean, uh, it's it's pretty important for them, whether it's here or elsewhere. I mean, they're kind of fighting for a spot to stay in the NHL. It's not just with the Kraken, right? You get traded towards, towards the end of the season. Uh, I mean, Rask was in the AHL like, these are guys that are fighting for a contract. So it was interesting to see them both have such a big impact against the Senators. Um, and it was a good win in general. Another two memorable nights in a row at Client Pledge Arena. Uh, also in attendance were new owners, Macklemore and Marshawn Lynch. So that was interesting. Uh, we woke up to that news on Monday and we saw the video of Marshawn doing donuts on the Zamboni, which was pretty fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, big Lynch fan, obviously. Mm-hmm. Lynch good is being, always entertaining. Good yeah. content. Anything he does is good content. And he was sitting on the glass with like four other ex-Seahawks, which was pretty cool. Like Cam Chancellor was down there. Sydney Rice was Sydney there. Sydney Rice yeah. was down there. Yeah, former and, Viking. Uh, 
Sydney Rice. That's right. Yeah. Legendary Viking. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Cliff Averill was there. And, uh, yeah. Seemed like they were having they, a good they time. Were, yeah, they were banging yeah. on the yeah, clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <They> were, <laughs> I don't think, well, and we'll talk about maybe uh, one of the more controversial plays. Uh-huh. Uh, they seemed confused by that. I was kind of keeping an eye on that. Oh, those guys, those guys were. Yeah. So, <laughs> excellent segue, John. I was definitely confused by that. Uh, so, what you're alluding to is Carson Kuhlman scored a goal. Uh, off nice of goal. Amazing goal. Amazing goal. Unbelievable yeah. play, yeah. right? <laughs> and it was him and Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord bats a puck out of the air. Somehow it seemed to like make a move with the puck before it hit the ice. Like it was almost like he was stick handling in the air. Uh, makes the makes the pass to Kuhlman. Kuhlman goes around Artem Zub. Wait out. Wait out Forsberg. Yeah, fantastic awesome. goal. And then Ottawa challenges for what they called a missed stoppage in play or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was revealed was that while Gord was stick handling the puck in midair, uh, doing like some Jedi tricks, he touched the puck with a high <laughs> stick, which was accurate. He did touch the puck with a high stick. You, you're really convinced of that. So let's I come back to it. that. I, I thought so. I mean, it was up above his shoulders. He's not a very big guy, but I think that would. Imply but he was this. like, he was like literally. I, I wouldn't say like, he was above his shoulders. Yeah, I didn't think it was a good call. Regardless, I. Yeah. What confused me though is not so much the high stick. Right, it was right. the fact that. To challenge a high stick, it was always my impression that the only way you could challenge something like that was like a dude bats the puck out of the air with a high stick and scores, right? That's when you would challenge something like that was my understanding. No. Apparently not. No. So this, I is, learned something, I think, this, this is the Timo Meyer rule, okay. yes. <laughs> which yeah, in 2019, San Jose essentially won a game because he hand-passed it. Yeah, in overtime. And in overtime in the offensive zone that let that directly led to a it was like a centering pass. Score. And and oh. so there might be some some guiding parameters. Like if it's immediately if that guy makes the, the what should have been blown dead mm-hmm. and the next person scores with the puck, touches it, then they can review it. Okay. Um so it was the first time I've seen it ever challenged. Although I think Five for Howling from Arizona said Arizona had tried to challenge something earlier and it didn't work mm. yeah. this season. So but then they also said, I saw that exact same tweet because they're applying to both of us. They said, it's not a thing or something like that. Right. right? But clearly but, it's a thing. So Well, yeah. I don't think it worked right. uh, in Arizona. That was kind of what they were saying. But I, yeah. I, mean, I honestly things, didn't, I didn't even think it was, a, it was a high stick unless he touched it twice work. in the air. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I only saw the first touch, which was very obvious. And then I'm like, well, that wasn't high sticking, but the second one. But it is the See, Timo Meyer rule. I only saw the one replay because I couldn't hear what the ref said because I was desperately trying to update my game story, and the crowd was loud. I didn't hear the ref say we're. I thought he just said we're reviewing it for offside, and it was close. He was close to being offside, but he was clearly onside. So I'm looking at the replays. I'm only looking at what did the puck They're go like, before him. Why are they not showing that? I'm the, like, he's like a foot the, onside. Like, yeah. well, this is a, this is a clearly a, a good goal. Then yeah. the ref comes out, no goal. And yeah. I was like, wait, what, what? <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of crazy, but uh, whatever. They won anyway. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't take away how beautiful of a play it was by both guys. So, oh, one other thing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think his name is Forty Five on Ottawa. Was it Patrick Kelly? Is that some Parker Kelly? Parker, Parker Kelly. Yeah. Do you see when I think Ottawa scored their first goal? He basically taunts one of the Kraken players. It might have been Susie or something oh, really? that was on the ice. Like turns to him and like yells at him and like kind of flexes at him. I was wondering if you guys saw that. <laughs> I didn't see it at all. No. Nope. But I was keeping an eye on him because he was also kind of going at it with some that players. Came out a little all, testy. Yeah, with Larson. I mean, there in was particular. a Kachuk on the ice. So yeah. 
Yeah. Always oh, could and be, the, could get how he baited Susie into punching him in the face yeah. because he's got such a punchable face. Very punchable. Face. It was a good punch. So yeah. I'm sure Susie they killed they killed that penalty or no? I can't remember now. They did they kill did. it. Yeah. 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 So it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> and Hayden Flurry got in a fight. So yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, let's move on to our interview with Vaughn Rohde. Look at those stripes. He's a zebra, zebra, zebra. That's right. Don't call him a horse. He's different, of course. I'm happy to endorse that he's a zebra, zebra, zebra. We now welcome on the Sound of Hockey a very special guest. He's been a linesman in the NHL for 22 years. Before that, he spent 10 years officiating in the WHL. Uh, he also runs the Pro Edge Skating and Hockey Skills School here in the Seattle area, and he's lived locally uh, since age 24. We are also happy to be catching him just days before he hangs up the stripes and calls it a career. Welcome to the show, Vaughn Rohde, and thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, we're very excited to be talking to you. I know uh, you've, you've been around the hockey community for a long time, and it feels like it's been a uh, long time coming that we have this conversation and I think the timing is uh, is pretty exciting so um, there's a lot going on for you right now so um, again we really appreciate you taking some time out um, I do want to start here though we we spotted you right in the heart of some controversy here uh, very recently as Ryan Hartman and Evander Kane got mixed up um, and there were some gestures that were involved there um, <laughs> How do you find yeah. yourself right in the middle of that little thing? And um, it seemed like you were saying some things to Hartman there, like, hey, there's kids watching is what I imagined you were saying. Yeah, the game, you know, as, as we all know, and we've played for years, we've been involved in this game. It's an emotional game. And, uh, and I think sometimes actually, you know, I look at it a little differently, uh, you know, for Ryan's perspective. I, I look at it like at the end of the day, you know, a 54-year-old man like myself is trying to hold him back. And he's a professional athlete. He could probably push through <laughs> me if he wanted to. And, uh, and, and I think his frustration kind of, um, kind of showed and it boiled over a little bit. And I, and I look at it like it was, you know, the act itself wasn't a real professional act. But I, but I think the, the, the gesture, the overall gesture of frustration, um, you know, to me, it, it saved us a lot of grief because, it, you know, if he would have put his hands on me or tried to fight through me, now we're talking about a completely different and a real severe penalty. Just right. flipping somebody off because he's frustrated and he can't get to him. Um, you know, I, I, I look at it like, like that. And I, and I, and I kind of explained that to Ryan too. When he, when he did that, I, I, I tried to grab his hand and put it down and I said, Hey man, that's a suspendable offense and, and they're going to find you. And, uh, and he didn't even really realize he, he, he apologized right away and said that his emotions got the best of him. Um, and like I said, you know, it's a, it's an emotional game. And if it wasn't an emotional game, I would have retired a long time ago because there would have been no need for referees. <laughs> yeah. I suppose so. I mean, I, I imagine that over the years you've, uh, heard your fair share of, you know, gentle criticism and things of that nature. And, You've probably had some emotions over the years as well. Am I right on that? Yeah, for sure. Nobody says too many things to me. I didn't make too many mistakes. But, uh, <laughs> nice, but, uh, nice. but uh, uh, no, seriously, it is, uh, it, it's, a game, uh, it's a game that's played on the edge. Um, and, uh, and there is a, a ton of emotion involved in it. Um, and, yeah, you know, people say things all the time. And I, and I think a lot of those times, you know, people, people want to hear what happens inside the glass until they actually hear what happens inside the glass. Right. And, uh, and then, uh, and then they, they view it a little differently. Um, sometimes it's just a comment here or there that's said. And, and, uh, and if you're going to be a good pitcher, you better be a good catcher, too, because you got to take a little bit of, uh, mm. of crit- criticism back. So, um, you know, I, I, it's easy as a referee to, 
you know, or an official to be able to penalize somebody. But I think you have to kind of put them yourself in their perspective uh, or their place. There's a difference between emotion and abuse. And as long as you can kind of define that in your own mind, you know, then uh, you'll get along fine. If you're, uh, if you don't think you're an asshole, someone calls you an ass, you know what, give them a penalty. Uh, but at the, at the end of the day, <laughs> It is what it is. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're allowed to say a few things, and, and we're allowed a little bit of a rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't get caught on, on a microphone. That's the only... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, exactly. That's why, yeah, I think you always, you know, always, you know, when you're on the ice, I think I learned early, you know, you, if you're going to talk to anybody, you swear at the beginning of the conversation, swear in the middle, and swear at the end, and then that way TV can never, ever put it on. <laughs> 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 I think Smart. that's just a yeah. just a generally good life lesson. That goes, good you know, yeah. great way to not get uh, get yourself in trouble. Just swear constantly, uh, and then nobody yeah, can right. can put it on live TV. Um, so obviously, this is a big week for you. Uh, you know, you've as you mentioned, you're in your fifties. You've been doing this for a long time. Uh, what made you decide that this was the right time to to hang it up? What went into the decision? Yeah, well, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a mutual agreement. You know, like we, I work for the National Hockey League. Uh, they have taken care of my family tremendously for, for 22 years, um, taking care of me tremendously for, for the same length of time. Um, it comes a point in time where, where they're maybe not getting their value out of you, you know, like um, maybe you're not working the second, third, fourth round of the Stanley Cup finals and uh, and young guys come in and, you know, they're going to get hired for half the salary and, uh, and it's, it's kind of their turn. And, and that's kind of how I view it. You know, I, I had a real good run and, uh, this small little town kid from, uh, uh, from Winnipeg, Manitoba, you know, to, to, to carve out a, uh, 22 year career in the national hockey league. I'm blessed and I'm honored about it. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I realize that it's somebody else's turn now and, and it's time to go, you know? Mm-hmm. And as you look back on all of it, do you do you have a high point that you remember especially fondly? I mean, I know you've you've had some pretty incredible highlights. You've done uh, a heritage classic. You've done playoffs. All that. What what's your your top moment of this career? Yeah, I think when uh, you know when it's all said and done, this game is about your family. And for me to be able to share um, some of the the excitement that goes around this game with my wife and my boys and uh, my, my, you know, my brother, sister, mom, uh, you know, for me to be able to share some of those moments, whether it be the all-star game or the heritage classic, as you say, or my, my 1000th game when they were on the ice with me and, and, uh, and I can kind of see the game and the excitement through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes things special. So, yeah. you know, we, we kind of go out every day and, and it's like going to work, you know, you, you kind of lose focus a little bit on, on, you know, the data of the job. Um, and it just becomes another game. It's another, it's another city, it's another call, it's another game. Uh, and I think it's, uh, I think it's really important when we sit back and kind of go, wow, you know what? my brother's never been to an all-star game or my sister's never been to an all-star game. And, and uh, she's getting an opportunity to see something that's not everybody gets a chance to see, you know, only, only 70 people in the world get a chance to see what the building looks like in the, in the basement of an NHL building. And, and when they come in with you, it's, it's pretty amazing to be able to share that with them. Well, and you're also the very first uh, referee that we've ever had on our podcast. So where does that stack up in your career achievements? (laughs) Oh, you know what, when you, you should have asked me that question about highlights earlier, that would have been (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Sean, going back to the start of this year, you got to work the very first game at Climate Pudge Arena for the Kraken. And I know you worked it with another guy, Ryan Gibbons, who has some ties here from his time for the Thunderbirds. What was it like working that game, and, and what did that mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. I, you know, I moved here when I was 24 years old, and and, uh, and I've been kind of heavily involved in the local um, hockey uh, program in, in this area for a long time. Um, it was uh, it was almost surreal, you know, being from being from you know living here in Seattle for such a long time, going to training camp. We live in the Pacific Northwest. You know, we all know what a great area this is for sports, and and hockey was kind of like you know the the um, something that wasn't really kind of talked about and it wasn't really, it wasn't really kind of focused on. Then all of a sudden, a few years ago, you know, word came out that they were going to move uh, or they were going to, uh, you know, uh, allow a national hockey league uh, expansion team to come here. And it was pretty amazing. And, and I think to sit back and, you know, uh, I, I look at John and, and, and the situation that, you know, that, that he was in and, and how much work he's put into to, you know, uh, to what's going on in, in, in the local community and then with the National Hockey League. And it's people like him and, and, and other people, you know, like throughout the area that, that really make this really special. So to me, I, I look at it like it was a real special opportunity to be involved. It's a, it's a little piece of history. Um, it's, my second, it's my second game uh, uh, to welcome a franchise in. I was fortunate enough to do uh, Winnipeg's first game when they came back yeah. as well. Um, those are two huge highlights of my career and I, and uh and I'm very honored to be a, to be a part of uh to be a part of those special games. And, I, and I'm imagining you like the shorter uh, drive to the rink that that night than your normal yeah, travel you know, plans. It's funny <laughs> it's funny you say that, you know, like I'll tell you for 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 as long as I've done this job I never had a home game and I've had about <laughs> six of them this year and they actually in fairness they throw you off because when you're actually on the road and you're you know when you're 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 traveling everything is like um everything kind of works to a routine you know you wake up you go for a walk you go for a workout you go for lunch you have a team meeting uh you you have a nap you iron your shirt you put your stuff on everybody meets for a coffee we all go to the rink when you're doing this by yourself and you're in your own you know your own bed you got issues with your family you got issues with your wife my wife and i we own an amazon franchise um here locally in town out of everett we we started two years ago um you know we have 78 or 78 employees we have 40 vans uh it's an amazing thing that 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 we're trying to do here and it's busy i mean uh it doesn't stop because you know people think i have to go to work in the nhl so it's nice to be able to do home games because it's a lot less stressful i can tell you that (laughs) (laughs) So Vaughn, uh, I do want to thank you for all the support over the years. You know, when I kind of, when we first spoke, this was probably eight years ago, you know, I told, told you what I was trying to do and, and, and you were super supportive and, and it meant a lot to me at the time because, you know, there was a lot of people saying it, it wouldn't work or, or just kind of like thought I was crazy, which, which is totally valid. Uh, I probably was, but, <laughs> but it, it's like getting support from you was really important along the way to keep, to just kind of keep my energy and my fuel going. So I do want to kind of, you know, break character and, and say thank you for, for the support you gave me over the years. So I, I really appreciate that. 
Well, I mean it guys, like in fairness, uh, you know, like I said, and I, maybe I didn't, you know, kind of get right into, into the answer, but these youth programs that uh, are run, um, locally or the local hockey, uh, I don't think people realize how great of a program youth hockey, adult hockey, um, the hockey community is. I don't think people realize how great it is if you don't live in this area. And, uh, and I was lucky enough to have two boys kind of go through the program, um, and, and be involved in it locally. And, uh, some of my wife and mine's, you know, our, our greatest friends are uh, relationships that we've made through this sport and the admiration that I have uh, for people in amateur hockey um, to make the effort and the continuous effort yeah. that it takes to make it better for the people. It's, it's really, uh, it, it's really an amazing thing. And we, you know, you guys should really take a moment to be proud of yourselves. You know, I know we're talking about, you know, the NHL thing and, and it's great, but um, really at the end of the day, I think it all starts with grassroots hockey and you guys have done a tremendous job of, of kind of getting it going and, and fighting the fight for, for the rest of us to make it easy. So hats off to yeah. you. Well, this is about you, Vaughn. So I, we appreciate it, but let's, let's get back to you. I mean, I love it. I love it. But, but you know, you got, you got involved in refereeing early on. Like, uh, how did, how did that come about? Like, how was that a path you chose? And, and at the time you got involved, like, what were you thinking as far as like your, your, your ceiling, if you will, when you first got involved up in Winnipeg? Yeah, I, uh, well, I wasn't really much of a hockey player. So those who are lousy <laughs> hockey players become referees. That's actually, that's actually kind of how it started, to be honest with you. I'd like to sit here and say, oh, yeah, this is, no, in fairness, you know, Growing up in Canada, we were involved in the game. I started playing when I was three years old. I had older brothers who uh, who played, um, and I always wanted to be like them, you know, and, and have an opportunity to kind of follow in their footsteps, and, and I did the best I could. Um, my skill set wasn't what it needed to be to advance, but I did know that I could do one thing, and, and uh, I was always a... a you know, probably an above average skater, not to be boastful, but, but I, I could skate. And, um, and it was always something that kind of separated me from other people that were my age. When I finished playing the referee in chief of the league asked me if I would, uh, um, come back and referee it. And, uh, I was like, sure, but I, I, I'd, I'd never really refereed before. So I started, uh, I started doing, you know, youth hockey and uh, little kids that are, you know, seven and eight year old, you know, players. And uh, I would, I would, you know, I remember leaving the, you know, if we were out with my friends and doing something on a, on a Saturday night, I would be the one that I would have to leave at 11 o'clock or 1030 because I had a six o'clock game the next day. And they looked, <laughs> looked at me like, come on, dude, you got to be kidding me. Like you're never going to make this work. And what are you doing? Get a real job. And, uh, and I, and I kind of thought that too, along the line, you know, I mean, it was a 10 year struggle. Um, you don't make it to the NHL by accident. Um, you don't get, you don't get hired by accident. It's a lot of work, uh, a lot of people helping you along the way. Um, and, uh, and really at the end of the day, it's just a grind. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a complete grind to get here. And, um, so when I first started, I, I started, you know, I realized that I was gonna, I was gonna have to, you know, kind of, um, make my way and I was going to have to battle through. And, and then, you know, all of a sudden I'm 24 years old and the Western hockey league says, Hey, we really like you. Um, and we're going to, and the NHL likes you too. We have a opportunity for you to uh, take a full-time job but it comes with a move to, uh, to Seattle. And, uh, you know, we're not moving to a different province now, you know, we're moving to a different country. And I had a pretty good job with the city of Winnipeg. It was a union job. Um, I was making, I was actually making more money than my father was at the time. And, uh, I remember telling my dad, Hey, I'm going to, 
take a leave of absence and quit this job. And I, I'm gonna, I'm going to go and chase this dream in the NHL. And, and, uh, I didn't know if I was going to get hit or hello. Like I, I was, uh, shaking, <laughs> I was shaking in my boots there when I told them, but, but at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's really worked out. Yeah. And I, I read a story about you actually, when you got here, you still had to kind of had a, have a second job and you had a, a shift at Boeing that started at 5 a.m. What was that like, you know, doing games the night before, you know, maybe, I don't know if you ever had a, a Portland or a Spokane game and then you had to be at your shift at 5 a.m. the next morning. Like, did that ever happen? Oh. And, and talk oh, about a happened. grind, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny, you know, people, even my boys, you know, they look at it like, oh, dad, this is a, such a cool job. You know, it's amazing, blah, blah, blah. But they don't see the work because they obviously weren't around. They don't see the work that actually went in. Those days happened many times because when you worked full time in the Western Hockey League, my commitment to them was I had to do 10 games a month. And a lot of times it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, a Thursday night in, uh, in Portland or a Tuesday night in Spokane and, uh, or, a you know, uh, uh, a night in tri cities. And, uh, I would, my shift would start at five eighteen. I would work till one eighteen. I would jump in my car, grab a sub sandwich is true. Obviously true, true stories. And I would be, I would be eating my sub sandwich, putting my suit on as we were driving, probably not the most safest thing to do, but, uh, <laughs> driving to my game and driving to my game in Spokane that night, I would get to the rink at six o'clock for a seven o'clock game. Um, go do the game and then, uh, turn around and, you know, when the game was over, jump back in my car, head back home. I'd be, I lived in Marysville at the time. So I would be back in Marysville, you know, right around midnight. I'd sleep till, you know, four o'clock, three thirty in the morning. I'd wake up and, and do the whole thing all over again. It was a, that happened for three straight years. It was a grind of a three year grind of two, two, two jobs and, and, uh, demanding jobs as well. My job at Boeing was, uh, I started as a sealer, but I ended up being a, uh, uh, inspector on the triple seven program. So there was, uh, it was, it was a grind. There's no, there's no two ways about that. So, uh, in 2014, we understand you had a pretty, uh, a serious back injury that led into to more health issues as you're trying to get it, get it back healthy. What was that time like? And I imagine that might've been a little scary thinking that, Man, I mean, this may be over now. Yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, I actually, uh, so what happened was I had injured myself in a game in um, Carolina. And uh, I didn't really realize how bad the injury was, but I, but I knew that it was bothering me. And I had a day off the next day, had to fly to Toronto and then Toronto to Edmonton. Um, and, and Rick Bonus, who's now the coach of the Dallas Stars, he was the assistant coach at Tampa Bay that day. And I remember being on the ice in between, in between uh, TV timeouts and I was stretching my back and trying to stretch out my lower back. And he was like, Vaughn, what, what's wrong, man? And I go, Jesus, Rick, I, I don't know. And, he, and he's like, well, you know, do you want to come in and see our trainer? And I was like, no, I think I'll be okay. Anyway, I, uh, I finished that game. I flew home and found out that, uh, that I needed back surgery. I had, uh, a situation in my spine that, uh, had occurred in a game in that game in, in Carolina. And, uh, and it just, uh, it just got progressively worse to the point where I needed surgery. And, and then it just went from, from bad to worse. The surgery, uh, was infected. Uh, they mm. ended up having, they ended up putting a spinal fusion on my, uh, L6 S1. And, uh, and so I have a spinal fusion there. I, I'm not bragging, but I, but I do know that I'm the only guy in the national hockey league that has come back from a spinal fusion and continued on with his career. So I am proud of that. Um, but it was a lot of, we- it was a lot of work. It was, uh, 
It was a year and a half away from, from the National Hockey League trying to battle, um, never mind even learning how to skate again. Um, I had to reteach myself how to walk, actually. It, oh. was, uh, it was pretty, it was probably the most scariest part of my, of my, of my life, for sure. And, and is there any worry that you're gone that long, that they're just going to move on, the league? Yeah, no, the, the NHL, uh, you know, they, they, they follow your, um, you know, we have a, we have a medical doctor that takes care of the officials as well. Um, so they were in, uh, they were in great support. They, they followed me right along. They, they were so helpful. They, they hooked me up with the Vancouver Canuck doctor who happens to be the specialist of back surgeries in Canada to perform the operation. Um, they, they took great care of me and, and they, I think they knew that my, uh, that my goal was to come back to work. I don't know if they really believed that it would happen. Um, there was a lot of people telling me spinal fusion, Bonnie, you know, uh, you might want to just sit this one out and, uh, you know, it's kind of not how we're, we're wired. Um, (laughs) and, and we, uh, we grinded it out and, you know, here, here we are, um, still walking and, and, uh, and still being able to be out there and, you know, the greatest, uh, the greatest, uh, sports and sport league in the world. That's amazing. Von, you, uh, I know you're on your way home from the airport now, which I think is a great, you know, lead into my question here, which is you're, you're here in the Seattle area, but it seems like we, we see you popping up all over the place. You're in random cities, random times, random nights. Uh, I'm curious how all the scheduling works in the NHL. Um, and I mean, how it's gotta be pretty brutal, the amount of travel that you do. Am I, am I right on that? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's amazing. My wife and I we were just chatting the other day, and we were looking at our Mar- uh, my Marriott stays over 22 years, and over 22 <laughs> years of uh, of this career, I've stayed uh, well over nine years in a hotel. <laughs> you, can, you can actually, if you can actually imagine that. So uh, it is. Uh, I, I get I get home and I look at her sometimes. Why the bed's not made and there's not a mint on my pillow? I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Uh, but it, you know, all joking aside, it is, uh, the travel I think is the thing that wears on you the most. Um, we're not as fortunate as, uh, as the players, you know, they travel, they travel, uh, on team charters and, and a lot of times TSA comes right to the rink and they go through the, the wand to get on the bus and then they go, we don't, we don't do that. Well, we do travel first class most times. Um, it is, uh, it is a lot of, you know, um, planning on your own, you find your own flights. We have a travel agent that, uh, um, that, that works for the league, uh, sports corp out of Toronto. So I find my flights, the flights I want to use, the flights I want to work or want to want to do that day. And if they fall into accordance with the CBA, we have to arrive in, in the, the, the town that we're working at a certain hour. Um, we have to be there before, uh, before noon on game days, there's little rules that we have to follow. Um, and, and as long as you're professional and you treat it professional, uh, they don't ever, uh, they don't ever second guess my travel. Um, they, they allow us to do whatever we want to do. Um, and you know, obviously hotels as well, we stay, uh, where we want to stay. Um, and, uh, that's great as well. The national hockey league has a, a signer and, uh, every, uh, Every six weeks, we get our assignments out, so we don't know where we're going. Mm. Um, we just mm. randomly shows up and says, "Hey, listen, uh, you know, you're going to Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Boston. You're home for three days, and you go to Edmonton, Montreal, Toronto, home for four days, and then you're back on the road to Philadelphia, you know, um, Phoenix, and uh, you know, say Vegas or whatever." And that's kind of how it works. We usually yeah. do about 20 games a month. 
Um, so we're usually home. Uh, we're usually home for ten days in in a, in a thirty day period. My goodness. So when I said it seems like you're popping up randomly all over the place, I was correct <laughs> on that. That's not just an illusion. Jesus. <laughs> No, are you kidding me right now? You were like Kreskin, the magician there. You had, uh, you had it all dialed in. You knew exactly what we were talking about. Oh, wow. No, it's, uh, it's so true, and that's kind of how it works. It's, uh, and I think it's good. You know, it's the, the optics of the game. I mean, you, wanna, you don't want to seem – you don't want to see a team – too many times where you build up relationships and, and you build up friendships because it's hard enough to do this job um, and try to remain unbiased, you know, and, and let's be honest, human nature falls into everything we do. And, and if you become friends with somebody, you see somebody too much. I mean, you know, the optics of, of me working 18 Seattle games wouldn't be great. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and in fairness, you know, the game deserves the game deserves it to be as fair and, and as honest as it can possibly be, and and uh, and I think that comes with uh, that comes with making sure the schedule's fair as well. You mm-hmm. you want to see teams on an equal basis. You know, you just hit on something there with the uh, the the kind of natural biases that pop up. Um, I did uh, one season as an assistant coach in squirts, so I I like to think that I'm uh, kind of an expert on these types of subjects. Now, my approach, uh, if if something ever went against my team my approach would always be I would just very quietly say to the ref when he skated by uh, like if a, if a goal counted that shouldn't have counted or something like that right as he skated by the right. bench I'd say okay now you owe us one and I yeah. tell you what every <laughs> single time the next controversial call would go in our favor so I have a theory that that was the way to do it you keep it keep it relatively polite <laughs> keep it quiet <laughs> only you and him have yeah. to hear it right do you think I was on to something with that one do you think that was oh uh, you know what I'd I don't know why more people don't do that. Actually. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some success in that story. <laughs> uh, funny. We had a uh, one funny time. We were we were doing a game one day, and and we're skating down the ice, and and uh, and this is back in the Western Hockey League, and and uh, one of the officials that I'm working with, I was it was I was new, I was relatively new, and I didn't really know you could actually talk back to the coaches and to the players. I was like, you know, I was I was just happy to have a jersey, to be honest with you. And and, uh, and I, we we're skating down the ice, and this guy's yelling at the referee. His name was Roger Belton. And he's yelling at Roger, and he's like, Jesus, Roger, you know, call a penalty, and it's three nothing for the other team. And in the middle of the second period, he's yelling at him again. He's like. Jesus, Roger, call a damn penalty. And by now it's six, nothing middle of the third period. He's still yelling at Roger to call a penalty. And Roger stops right at center. ice, looks at him and goes, coach, it's nine, nothing. Call a practice. (laughs) (laughs) It was hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Too funny. (laughs) So no, it's, uh, it's been, it's been, you know, it, at the end of the day, I think it's all about, you know, professional courtesy and, and uh, nobody wants to be embarrassed. Nobody wants to be yelled at. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to rule with an iron fist either. I understand that, you know, that emotions happen, but I think we talked a bit about it earlier. You know, there's a difference between emotion and abuse and uh, I have a job to do. And, and my job is not only to represent the National Hockey League, but it's also to protect the, you know, the 50,000 or 30,000 young officials that we have, uh, in uh, minor hockey, and uh, and if these kids are watching, whether they be playing or officiating or parents, if they're watching this game and they think you can yell at an NHL referee and berate them, then what's going to happen on Saturday and Sunday when they go to the local rink for these young little kids? You yeah. know, so our job is to kind of not only protect ourselves, but you know, we have to protect them as well. I think that's the most important thing. 
Vaughn, you mentioned yeah. that the players have a little bit different travel style uh, and, and some perks. During the game, they also get to sit down and rest for a little bit in between their shifts. You guys don't get to do that. I imagine no. what, what is your what is your training like uh, to get ready for a season? Well, those players are soft. Hey, let's be honest. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, they obviously they they play at such a high level, and and uh, and and their their shifts are you know 30 to 40 second sprints. Really, I mean, you know, it's a it's a sprint, so it probably takes them three minutes to to recover. You know, between shifts, it's amazing. I I I'm. I'm was doing a game last night and uh and i kind of chuckled with him after because uh todd mcclellan is a good friend of mine he's a just an amazing human being and a tremendous coach um but every second word he said was kopitar 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 and i thought to myself <laughs> i could win a stand i could win a stanley cup too if all i had to do was throw out mcdavid or kopitar every every second <laughs> shift. i'd be a great coach too <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? It's uh, our training is uh, it's it it is to me. It's a personal uh, choice of fitness. It's a lifestyle. Um, you know, uh, you you have to you have to compete with these guys. Um, I, I I started out in this in this group years ago. I, I I would say that you know my fitness level was probably you know top three or four in in our officiating staff, um, and I've kind of tried to keep it that way throughout. I, I would think that that would be what when I leave this business, people will be like, "Geez, man, he was in shape and and he took his fitness serious," and and uh, and that would be my that would be my expectation. And and like I said, you know, having two kids and not wanting them to see me without my shirt so they could bug me about having a dad bod <laughs> that was motivating too <laughs> so uh you know it it, it uh it is it is what it is but the game owes uh, or we owe the game uh to be in in the best shape possible um and uh being tired is not an excuse and if i can't get to my line or i lose somebody because i'm not strong enough to hold on to somebody and and he gets punched in the face and breaks his jaw or whatever the case may be um you know i've done the game a disservice so i need to make sure that i'm strong enough and fit enough when i grab somebody uh they better know that uh that the game you know that situation's over and uh and if uh and if you don't then uh like i said uh, i don't think you belong in this business well, and that's another question I have because I I've seen referees and linesmen coming off the ice holding bags of ice to their their face after oh. games. Uh, how how tough is it? I'm sure you've been accidentally punched or hit with a stick. Or, I mean, how tough is it uh, just on a day to day basis? Well, you know these guys they you know they're skating around at 30 miles an hour. They're shooting that biscuit around <laughs> at 100 miles an hour, and. Uh, and I'm always amazed that you can get paid seven, you know, seven million dollars, and then you shoot the puck at me because you got the stick in your hand. You're yelling at me to about get out of the way. Like, yeah, for sure, I wanted to get, I really wanted to get hit with this puck there, Buster. But it, I, I always just have to shake my head at that every time I hear it. But, but in fairness, you know, the, these these guys, you know, they 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 play in pain. Hockey is a, it's a, it's a tough sport. It's, and I'm not mocking anything else but i know in our sport i believe our athletes whether they be officials or players you know we're the toughest we're the toughest athletes out there i mean it's uh you're you're constantly playing with with injuries i i bet you i've had four shoulder surgeries uh, i know i've had three back surgeries i've broken both of my legs both broken both of my ankles uh broke my jaw in a game um Jeez. you know it uh uh 
you know, injuries are a part of this game and, and, and being able to recover and, and having the, the wherewithal, I think, to kind of fight through some injuries, um, that happens as well. I've missed, uh, I've missed some, some games. I've missed some time, you know, probably in the course of my career, probably close to two years of, of, of time I've missed with injuries. We have guys on our staff, if you can believe this, they've never missed a darn game. Like they've never missed an assignment. Yeah. And to me, I look at that and I just go, how the heck does that even happen? You know, like, you know, you're, you, you catch the flu, food poisoning, something. But, uh, you know, they're just warriors. And, and when you kind of grow up in that era and with that group, hey, man, I don't want to be picked on at training camp because I miss games, you know, uh, that, I, that I should be working on. So if I got to work through the occasional injury, um, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's nothing compared to, to, to compared to getting the abuse that I would be getting if I, if I took a night off. <laughs> yeah. I, we totally get it. The podcasting game is really similar. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with, with retirement, with your retirement right around the corner here, um, and you're, you're doing your last game on Wednesday right here in Seattle, which is pretty cool. Uh, Seattle Kraken against Colorado Av- Avalanche. Uh, I saw you've been getting some recognition, though, around the league. I think it was the Kings the other night that kind of went through and shook your hand. Uh, I think you got an announcement in San Jose, if I'm not mistaken. I, I could be totally wrong on those facts. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, you know, with everything that, you know, you've been through all over the years, um, dealing with coaches, players, whomever, fans. Is that something that you you expected would be part of the end of your career, that you'd have that kind of send-off from um, from NHL buildings? No, I think, you know, over the course of your career, really, at the end of the day, what you wanted to do is you want to be respected. And uh, and I think when you can leave any industry or any business and, and you feel you're respected, um, then, then I think it's been a successful career. I haven't had the luxury of working, you know, a Stanley cup final and it's, it's something that's eluded me. Maybe I wasn't good enough or whatever the case may be. Um, it is what it is. And, and those are, those are things that, uh, that I will look back on and kind of go, geez, you know, maybe I could have done this a little differently, or maybe I should have done this a little differently that year. Uh, but my chance has passed with that. Uh, but I will say, um, you know, and it's been probably, probably nine teams that have stopped and when they won or lost, they've come over and shaken my hand, um, at the end of the game, the tremendous amount of respect, uh, from these teams, uh, this last three weeks, um, has really kind of put my career in perspective. And, uh, I got a text message from my son yesterday who was watching in college and, and he was like, dad, I, I, I just can't believe the, the love that these guys have for you. And it says so much about who you are. And, uh, to me, you know what, um, uh, those are the text messages and those handshakes and those little moments with those players. Um, I'll, I'll take with those, those, those with me for the rest of my life. And, uh, I was honored to be a part of that group. Um, and I'm honored to shake their hands and, and I'm even more honored that they have the respect for me to be able to do that. And it really is, uh, a, a tremendous, uh, uh, just a tremendous feeling. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I, I wonder, cause you, you see video and even I remember when I was a kid, right. Watching how, um, how crazy hockey games used to be. And I think they've changed a little bit, the nature. But I wonder if, if the relationship between officials and uh, coaches and players has changed a little bit over that time, too. Is, has that mutual respect, has that always been something that you felt as an official? Or has that kind of morphed a little bit as you've gone along in your career? 
Yeah, no, I, I believe that, uh, I believe that I felt that mutual respect ever since I, uh, ever since I got into the national hockey league, it's different, you know, Mm -hmm. there's very few jobs. I mean, there's 700 and some playing jobs, uh, in the NHL. And, and I believe there's, uh, you know, there's probably 75 officiating jobs. You see each other all the time and, and, you know, there's no need to be building, you know, uh, fences, you know, like, uh, you don't want to be creating, uh, animosity because if, if, you know, they didn't like me on Monday or if I didn't like them on, on Monday, I sure as hell I'm not going to like them on Wednesday, you know? So, so we, we need to kind of, we need to kind of understand that, Hey, for the betterment of the game, we need to get along and, uh, and there needs to be a mutual respect. And and I'll tell you in this business, um, I have seen, I, I have never truly ever been involved in a situation where I haven't, where I've ever felt disrespected on the ice. I mean, I, again, I understand people get frustrated and there's a difference between abuse and emotion. And uh, that is the truth. But I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I have felt disrespected about being a professional athlete out there with those guys. And mm-hmm. not, not one, not by a coach, not by a player, not by, uh, not by anybody. You know, it's, uh, it's been really, uh, uh, it's been just fantastic and so have you thought about uh what this last game is going to be like for you are the are the emotions going to be running high do you think yeah you know i'm not gonna lie to you i'm soft like puppy poop anyway like <laughs> I, wear my emotions. I, I wear my emotions right on my sleeve like i cry during lassie like seriously it's uh it's almost embarrassing uh but uh but you know i i uh my dad said to me years ago hey son don't ever be ashamed of true emotion and uh um, and I'm not, I'm really proud of what I've accomplished. I'm really, I'm really proud of, of, you know, a young little kid from Winnipeg, you know, eking out a, a living. I, I had no business having this career and, uh, I'm honored about that. Um, and I'm honored that my, you know, my friends and family from different parts of Canada and, and from the U S we're going to be here to share this with me. Um, and again, it's a little bit about celebrating them and you don't just make it to the national hockey league by yourself. You know, I, I, I grew up, there was many days where, where my mom and dad, uh, weren't home to drive me to the rink. Um, you know, but my, uh, but my sister had to, or my older brother had to, uh, about a month ago, I lost my oldest brother to a heart attack. And, Mm. and, uh, you know, those are, uh, those are things that kind of put life into real perspective, you know, because he shared a great deal in, in my success and my having the opportunity to, to do this as well as a lot of my family, you know, they, we, you know, a lot of my family back home in Manitoba are farmers and, uh, and they, uh, you know, they're watching, you know, this young little whippersnapper that, uh, that they used to play with now. And, and now they're proud to call their cousin or, or, you know, nephew. And he's, he's working a hockey night in Canada game. Um, they take a lot of, pride in that as well and and it's been uh, it's been an honor to uh to represent my family in this league that's incredible um so outside of being a linesman i want to do talk about the pro edge camps a little bit so you you run the pro edge youth and adult camps over the summer usually um tell us a little bit about that and and how you launched those uh those camps yeah you know years ago I, i my boys were learning how to skate and uh um and i remember kind of you know, having an instructor kind of do things for them. And, and, and I was kind of like, Oh yeah, this is great. And this is great. And this is great. And then I thought, geez, you know, there's a hockey camp up in Vancouver that I want to go and take my son to. So a couple of his teammates and I uh, got into the car and the dads and I, we drove up and, and we watched this hockey camp. And, and uh, I think that at the time they charged us $799. This was 
gosh, must have been 15 years ago. We went up for this uh, hockey camp. 799 bucks was the charge, and and the, the instructor didn't show up on Friday. He didn't show up on Saturday, and there was two ice sessions on Sunday, and he showed up on the second ice session on Sunday, and he really didn't do anything. He just kind of let his instructors do the the program. My son skated by him. He had a USA jersey on. He tapped him on the helmet, and there was a little kind of a interaction there. And at the end of the day, driving back home, I said to Bryce and I go, B, what did he say to you? And he said, Oh, dad, he told me I had a great helmet <laughs> or a great jersey. And I thought, Oh, <laughs> dude, we can do so much better than that. <laughs> so, so you thought, honestly, Hey, I can do that how... for $7.99. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? I mean, we can do better. And, uh, and that's actually how Pro Edge started. We, uh, we came home. We started with uh, four kids in the corner of Linwood Ice Rink, um, did that for a year probably pissed off a whole bunch of the other instructors who were out there and all of a sudden they were like uh, maybe you should get your own ice and I thought yeah maybe I should and ended up starting to uh, to rent an hour and and one hour turned into or one camp turned into two camps and two camps have now turned into you know uh, nine camps and and we uh, will roll out uh, we'll roll out probably um, 650 uh, uh, adults and students uh, over the course of a summer in our in our pro edge camp, and I think we I think we might have four maybe four camps that aren't sold out yet. They only have a few spots left. We've been very fortunate with uh, uh, with the response, and you know what else uh, we're really lucky about is the loyalty that people show to us. Um, I think they know that my give a shit meter for their kids is through the roof, and uh, and they 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 really like the the the. Um, you know, the, the no nonsense approach that we have and the, the accountability that we show to them and, and we expect from the athletes. And, uh, and it's been a real successful, uh, it's been a real successful 16 years of camp and something that I'm extremely proud of. Well, and I've attended your camp a couple of times. That's where we first met. And the first time I, uh, I attended was back in 2016. And, and one thing that was evidently clear and and i'm sure the listeners will will already know this by the time they get to this part of the podcast is is your 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 passion and commitment to the sport and and you sh- you would share some stories but one story that that stood out to me is your your pregame routine at least at the time um for your nhl games and i'm wondering if you still have a those pregame routines and if you mind sharing that with the listeners yeah so you know like um uh, first of all, John, I'm not going to lie to you. You weren't one of our success stories. Okay. So you should yeah, come back. No, to there's no camp. doubt there. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding, buddy. <laughs> totally just joking. Uh, oh my but gosh. It, yeah. <laughs> but in the very, you know, like, on. John Martin yeah. Jersey. Yeah, because it was a pro edge jersey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I uh I I you know, when 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 my dad used to take me to the game and uh he was only able to uh he was only able to afford uh one ticket, you know, really at the end of the day we were only able to afford one ticket. So um I would uh I would I would get to the rink and I would walk around the rink and I would see all these parents and and they would have their children there. They would be, you know, families walking around. And, and uh, I was by myself. And it wasn't through anything other than the fact that my dad couldn't afford a second ticket. He just couldn't, you know. So he would wait for me at the end of the game, and, and he would drive me home. And then when I got hired to the National Hockey League, I, I kind of made a promise to, to myself uh, at the beginning of every game. I, I, I try to walk up uh, stairs to, uh, to the foyer when they let the fans in, and I do one little lap around the building. 
and I look at uh, all the moms and dads coming in with their children, and it makes me really uh, focus in on how lucky and how fortunate I am to have achieved this dream and uh, to have been doing this for so long. And, and it brings me back to, you know, to how hard my dad had to work for me and, uh, and, and to make me make sure that I match his effort when I step on the ice. Well, that's very heartwarming. My heart is very warm from that. Uh, I love that. Uh, Vaughn, I have one last question for you. You've been awesome with your time, um, and, and we're, we're excited to see you here on Wednesday for uh, one last game in the NHL. But uh, here's my closing question for you. You can, you can make a choice. Uh, I would love to hear, and we've talked a lot about respect today, but I'm sure there's been a couple times when players and coaches have slipped up. But what's the either the meanest or the funniest thing uh, a coach or a player has said to you in um, maybe arguing a call? Yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to actually I'm going to I'm going to tell a little story. It wasn't to me. It was one that I uh that I overheard that I thought it was uh pretty hilarious. It's kind of stuck with me for a while. Everybody who uh knows uh Chris Pronger, you can kind of take a little snapshot of a picture of of him in in your mind's eye and and remember what he looks like a little bit. He was a a big strapping guy, probably frankly one of the meanest players that I've ever had uh the opportunity to be on the ice with. And we were doing a game one night when he was playing in Edmonton. Um, we were, we were reffing a game in LA and it was, uh, it was right next to the playoffs. Like it was just kind of wrapping up and lots of emotion at the game. And Sean Avery was skating around and, and, uh, you know, he was just being Sean Avery really. And, and, uh, and he skates over to the middle of the scrum and kind of snows the goalie, you know, just kind of covers him like a snowman with, uh, with all the ice shavings and, and prongs kind of skates over and gives them a little bit of a cross check. And they're having this little, this little dissertation back and forth. And he says to, uh, he says to pronger, he goes, Whoa, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. I just got one question. It's been bothering me for a while. One question only. And Chris Pronger kind of stops wanting to beat him up and he's kind of giving him the time. Now he's going to listen. He goes, just one question, Pronger. He goes, uh, what do you use to floss? One twenties. <laughs> he's got this big, big space between his teeth. And anybody who knows the game of hockey, you know, uh, you know, the thickness of your skate lace, you know, one twenty. Oh, I just thought gosh. that was so funny. How that was. And, uh, and it just, you know, it broke the ice. Everybody kind of calmed down and, and, uh, we all had, laughed and had a chuckle oh at Chris's expense. <laughs> oh yeah. You could probably, we could probably do a podcast just on stories. I'm not going to lie to you. It might have to be X-rated to some of them. Yeah. But, we'll have to wait but, till uh, after Wednesday, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah fair enough. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Vaughn, uh, congratulations on, uh, an illustrious career here and hanging it up. Uh, this is a, this is a big week for you. So, um, again, thank you so much for taking time. We're, we're recording this on a beautiful Sunday too. So thank you so much for taking time out of, uh, out of your life here to talk to us. And, uh, we're, we're looking forward to seeing you at Clown Pledge Arena on Wednesday. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity guys. And, and thanks for the time. And you guys do a tremendous job as well. So thank you all for, for growing the game of hockey in, in, in our area. So thank you guys as well. All right. Thank you again to Vaughn Rohde. Uh, he's going to have a lot of friends in attendance on Wednesday night. And I'm very, very hopeful that we're going to have this out to you in time before that. I think we will. So that's good. And uh, I, I briefly talked to Vaughn after we recorded the interview and he was also, you know, wanted to call out that he was super appreciative for the Kraken for donating 
a suite for the game so he can have friends and family to his last game oh, that's at CPA. Awesome. Very cool. Very thankful they didn't have to do, totally surprise him, and, and he's very yeah, appreciative man. of that. So very cool. Good on the Kraken because they don't need to do that either. Right. Uh, all right, let's get to some kind of general NHL news here. Uh, first off, Carey Price made his season debut this week. Uh, he has not played all season, as we know, and it makes you think, hey, what if the Kraken had taken him in the expansion <laughs> draft? Uh, but good to see him back on the ice. I, I think he was dealing with some mental health issues was the most recent thing after having injuries and all that. So um, good to see him back on the ice. Obviously, one of the best goalies of all time. And certainly Montreal has missed him this season. Uh, so a couple of playoff matchups have, well, at least one is set. Minnesota against St. Louis. And then... What's you your have, excitement level there? Uh, I don't know if I love it. I think St. Louis is St. playing pretty like, hot. They're, they're really good. So... I don't know if I love the matchup. I think, you know, Minnesota has a really good team, and I think they genuinely have a chance at a deep, deep playoff run this season. But I don't know if I love that matchup. That's my honest truth. I, I think from a fan's perspective, it's pretty cool. It should honestly. be a fun one to watch. Yeah, it yeah. should be. So, I mean, I can understand not being excited about it if you're a Minnesota <laughs> fan. But, um, yeah. yeah, St. Louis has been playing pretty good lately. They won nine in a row, lost lost tonight when we were recording. Um, but pretty hot team. Yep. Almost set, we have, it looks like it's going to be Toronto against Tampa Bay. That's awesome. Which is wild. Another very exciting yes. matchup. I yeah. love it. I love uh, that that's the first team they have to play out of the gates. And <laughs> then Toronto, that Todd is. McClellan will face uh, one of his old teams Ooh. in the Oilers. Yeah, uh, if, the, Oilers. if the Kings make it, but, if they but hold on, they've yeah. got some pretty good odds to mm-hmm. make it. So Vegas, meanwhile, lost to the Devils oh, last night. Man. Uh, oh, man. Oh, we're not going to dance on their grave, are we? Not yet. I, I said I've I already, I've already mentioned several times I'm a huge fan of Sean mm-hmm. Freda, so yeah. But man, <laughs> I'm enjoying this. You can't make that one up. I mean, if they miss the playoffs after trading for Jack Eichel in the middle of the season, like woof. But for all those people that wanted the Kraken to be just like Vegas, yeah, you did it. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. Because they didn't make the playoffs, <laughs> and we're we're in a better position this year because yeah. we get to draft higher. And we have more yeah. cap space, so. <laughs> uh, and then in the East, interestingly, there's still, I mean, a decent amount of hockey we played here, but all eight teams are locked in as far as who has at least qualified. The matchups are not set yet, uh, but Florida, Carolina, Toronto, Tampa Bay, New York Rangers, Pittsburgh, Boston, and Washington have all made the playoffs. Uh, I would say... This is going to be fun to watch. I think six of those teams have a chance to be <laughs> yeah. to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. You know? That's going to be that's going to be a fun side to yeah. watch. I think more fun than the West. So, yeah. so if, you, if, you're, if you have to work till six, get your uh, DVR set. Stay off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> or just watch it at work yeah. is what I would yeah. recommend. Yeah. Everybody's working from home still, right? Have an early happy hour somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not playing games all day anymore no, because of COVID. Yeah. Sometimes that's hard for people to The old to get bubble off. games, those were yeah. pretty awesome. Yes, that was awesome. We're now moving on to our segments, and our first segment is... You don't see that every day? Everyone's favorite segment, Goalie Gear Corner! That was a tough one to get out. I, I am still recovering from COVID. Uh, if my voice sounded a little wonky there, I'm I'm getting back, but I still cough a bit, you know. So I was kind of repressing some things there, but I got through it. Okay, our goalie gear corner, uh, <laughs> Magnus Helberg, who apparently plays for the Detroit Red Wings. I'm not particularly familiar with this particular nutminder. He did not play a couple weeks ago when they were here, <laughs> but uh, he has a brand new set of Brian's gear. Andy, I know you're a fan. Uh, Big fan of the Brian's. This is beautifully done. I gotta say, essentially what it is is he just took the Red Wings logo and kind of turned it 
giant's side. Uh, and so they're red pads, but they have white wings that crawl up them. Uh, and it almost looks like flames, right? Like it's it's very cool. I love I love how clean they are. Uh, you know, they don't have the spoked wheel. I think that would have made them a little bit like too much, right? It would have been a little bit too busy. But with just the wing on on the pads and on the blocker on the glove, I think it's just beautiful. I kind of like, I'm not Very sure well what you would call these, but like those little stripes that are kind of in contour with the, the logo uh-huh. really add something to it. It almost makes it look like it's a wood panel. Pinstripes. Like kinda, hidden yeah. within the, yeah, they are kind of like pin, like curved yeah. pinstripes. Yeah. And they're kind of low. They're not like highlighted necessarily, but they just make it almost look like it's a wood panel. Yeah. Pad. So here's, here's a little bit of the internet tells me Marcus Helberg from uh-huh. Sweden. Okay. 31 years old. Oh, yeah. Um, he's played four NHL games in his career. The last time was in 2016, 2017 with the New York Rangers. Okay. And he spent the last five seasons in the KHL, uh, most recently for Sochi. Got it. So um, no games played this year okay. so far. Uh, Got to tell you, I couldn't have cared less there. I just wanted to talk about his well, I know. I just, I'm like... I've never heard of this guy. I want to know what he is. So maybe yeah. somebody else wants to hear about it. Fair enough. That's only four more NHL games than we've all played. So it's not really that. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> on the aggregate, we've all played one. Yeah. That's right. So that's our goal of your corner. We now move on to Andy and John's favorite segment, Bad Boys. Yes. yes. Matt Finally. Barzal. Yeah. Matt Barzal <laughs> has been fined. I think it was $2,500 for, and this one was kind of funny. He grabbed Mitch Marner kind of by the arm on the bench uh, and sort of impeded him enough that Marner had to actually like, pull himself away. I thought it was pretty funny. Yep. You know, probably, usually, usually like they'll it. let these things go. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, a nice little uh, $2,500 chuckle there. Kind if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I've heard that many times. So good stuff. Uh, our next segment is You Don't See That Every Day. Yes. Curtis Lazar, uh, th- you really don't see this one every day, but no. Curtis Lazar of the Bruins, he cycles the puck down low toward, I believe it was Mike Riley was the player that he was trying to get the puck to. And it hit the ref in the skates. We've talked, we've had a lot of ref talk in this game. Yeah, in this, this is the episode. ref episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. It hits the ref in the skate. The ref stands there, looks at the puck for a second, and then makes a very obvious kick of the puck. And it's almost like he's passing the puck right to Mike <laughs> Riley. And what I think he was doing is he was saying, oh, crap, I got hit with the puck. I'm going to move it along to the place where it was going to be. But it really looks like he's passing the yeah. puck to the Bruins player. And that is absolutely not how he's supposed to no. handle that. That was a big lapse in judgment by that particular official. It's supposed to hit him. And then if it hits him, fine. Leave the puck to be played as it lies, right? Like, you're a part of the ice. You're a part of the boards, whatever. I wonder what all the Boston fans who on Twitter who believe the refs are always out to get them. Mm-hmm. felt about this play. Well, it was a very pro-Boston play, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to ask Curtis about that one. Not Curtis Lazar, but our, our friend Curtis, who uh, writes on soundofhockey.com. Yeah, we could. That's true. Next time the Bruins come through, remind me to ask uh, about the I great will. pass uh, to the ref that he then passed to Mike Riley. Uh, okay, that's our You Don't See That Every Day. And you really don't see it every day. No. We now move on to our weekly one-timers. Whoopsh. Our first weekly one-timer is sort of a follow-up uh, to a Bad Boys from last week. So, man, that was a lot of sound effects in a row that we just had there, wasn't it? There's a lot going on. There's a lot going yeah. on, you know. Uh, so Ryan Hartman, uh, we mentioned that he flipped off Evander Kane, and we actually talked to Von Rohde about him because uh, he was right he in the middle the of that. Yeah. Uh, now, the wrinkle in the story is that 
he got fined $5,000, Ryan Hartman did, for the flipping of the bird. And as soon as that happened, Evander Kane's wife Venmoed Ryan Hartman, I think it was $200, to help pay for the fine. <laughs> and then that kind of set off, and I don't know if she was actually the one that started it, but uh, there is this chain reaction of fans Venmoing Hartman to Made help to pay, pay for his fine. fine, which I thought was pretty funny, right? Yep. Uh, now, to Hartman's credit, he kind of made a big thing of it, and uh, he paid the fine himself, but then donated everything that got Venmoed to him. And the last I saw, it I think it got up to like 30 yeah. grand. Yeah. Uh, and I think he, he kind of recognized like, hey, you know, I probably offended some parents and there's a lot of kids watching. And so I thought it was cool. He donated it to the Minnesota Children's Hospital. So, And by the way, I have a close connection to the Minnesota Children's Hospital because uh, they kind of saved my nephew's life when he oh, was awesome. uh, first born. So well, shout I, out Minnesota Children's. Yeah. What I found funny about this whole thing is that after the game, when this incident happened, mm-hmm. he said, "It was if I get fined, it's totally worth it. And it turns out it was totally worth it yeah. because it helped a very yeah, good cause. Totally. It's like more than worth it. He's probably... So yeah. what this says is keep flipping off of Exactly. Cain. You know, I was just going to say the same thing. Now, if you just flip a bird every game, Kyrie Irving did that in the NBA. Right, yeah. He was he was flipping people off Double left and right off, in that yeah. game, but he got fined $50,000. So. Well, he was flipping off the fans, not an, an annoying player. Fair, fair so point. That, that's the distinction. Maybe. Yeah. Also was caught on camera saying you know, some things that he should yes. not have said. So You know, at one time I, I saw this wild fan support flipping off Evander Kane in the show notes mm-hmm. and... For I scanned it and read it pretty quick, and I thought wild fans flipping off Evander <laughs> Kane. So I thought like it was in unison. All these wild fans were flipping them off, oh. like in warmups or in a in a scrum or who knows. But not a bad idea, though. No, it's not. Playoffs, it's not. That's why I'm like, wow, that that's, happen. Yeah. that takes a lot of coordination. To everybody just give him the bird, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of Ryan Hartman, you guys know how many goals he has this season? Fourteen. Thirty-one goals. Thirty-one. Yes. What? Yes. Who? What? Wait. What's his previous career high? His previous career high. Twenty-four. <laughs> <throat> Seventeen. <laughs> it's like Price is Right. Was nineteen over. in 2016, oh, okay. 2017. Oh, I, yeah, I, I didn't go over. Yeah. Now I don't want to take anything away from him because he has had an incredible season, but he also centers a line with Kroka Prizov and Matt Zuccarello. So I think. That's kind of he's he's a little bit of a beneficiary he's, there. He's the Jonathan Chichu of uh... very much like they're they're definitely propping him up. But uh, nonetheless, he's you know he's having a great season. Um, so I thought I should call that out because that was it was kind of like the uh, Anthony Duclair star of the week honorable mention that we did. I don't right. Know if it was last right, week, right, 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 right. Like right. wait a minute, thirty one yeah. goals. Yeah, yeah. This just, needs some acknowledgement. Yeah, that here. just clicked yeah. in my head recently that he had he had actually had that kind of a season. So um, our next weekly one timer. Hobie Baker winner Dryden McKay has been suspended from international play for a performance-enhancing drug in his system. Uh, And this is a funky story because I think most of the time you hear that and you just totally blame the player. No matter what it is, that's kind of how our brains are kind of wired these days because of all the, I think, probably from the baseball era is where Mm -hmm. it started, right? So he was supposed to be an alternate for the Olympics is what happened. So they started drug testing. Uh, He had a positive sample come up. Uh, He actually was able to work with an arbitrator, I believe it was. He sent the supplements to like a lab to test them out and figured out that one of the legal vitamins that he was taking had some sort of banned substance in it. There, Yeah, it was like a... I don't even know. It was like contaminated somehow. Like it wasn't supposed to be in there, but it was in there. Right. And they were able to figure out where the contamination was working with an arbitrator. The NCAA said, no, you can continue to play because you've essentially proven that you meant no wrongdoing here. Yeah. Right. Uh, So 
basically he's he sort of accepted the six month uh ban from international play but he's kind of just saying like hey here's my story i screwed up because of this reason but also it truly was an honest mistake and i i i tend to believe him i really do yeah. think it was an honest mistake and he's well, he's just saying like all right fine six months i can't play an international competition when you look at it. some of the details there was one trillionth of a trace of this which yeah. is so many zeros i can't even that's not, uh-huh. <laughs> not a big amount um and it was in a supplement he was taking and it was not listed on that supplement as some, one of the ingredients so right if you if you believe that which i do he literally had no idea he was taking this and it was such a small thing like is this, I guess this seems kind of silly that he, we're going to sit him down for six months. I don't know if he was going to play internationally anyway, anywhere anyways for six yeah. months. So. It's, it's weird, though, because it could – I mean, he had such an incredible run in college, yeah. right? And yeah, you're like, well, does that tarnish his reputation then because he te- tested positive for a Not banned substance? Not for a trillionth of I a mean, trace. <laughs> but think about what a good job he's done here of kind of shaping our opinions, right? Like That's true. He releases his facts. I buy it. I buy that he – he screwed up and it was, you know, something that he truly didn't think he was doing. So anyway, I don't, I don't always buy those things. Mm. I think on, I tend to default the other way just what, because of I normally so default much baseball, the other way. So yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, totally. and so it's not, I mean, this kid is like so young. It's one thing if you're a pro athlete and you mm-hmm. have the resources to like know what you're putting in your body, mm-hmm. he doesn't theoretically have the ability to like test everything he's <laughs> eating or consuming like yep. a pro athlete would. And you if somebody know? says, hey, take this supplement for your whatever. Your no, or he just reads it somewhere well, that it's good, right? And like, his story is that the trainer actually did tell him to because it was like, yeah. you know, but the thing, But that, that's, that substance isn't enlisted anywhere right. in the ingredients. So how right. is he going to – even if he did That's what I'm saying. Like professional athletes are mindful that not everything's yep. going to be in there. So anyway, it's I don't really totally buy it just because that's my default. But at the same time, I'm not – like, oh. really that worried about it it's either your, it's your <laughs> default because everybody who gets caught was like i didn't know that's yeah. like yeah, everybody that's, says that that's right Every, and he's a pretty good case though it's but, like it's not mine officer i don't know how that got in my car but the fact <laughs> that and this seems to have been corroborated by an ncaa arbitrator right yeah the fact that he involved a lab and essentially proved his case enough to them that they allowed him to continue playing and gave him the award for best player in the freaking nation right like that's <laughs> i don't know anyway those are our weekly one-timers we now move on to our tweets of the week. Andy, your tweet of the week. My tweet of the week is comes from Amanda Stein, who, if you're not familiar with her, she works. She covers the New Jersey Devils uh-huh. for the New Jersey Devils. Great handwriting. She, it's like her handwriting is like yeah. a font yeah. <laughs> on its own. And I actually witnessed this happen. Uh, Ryan Graves of the New Jersey Devils. I didn't witness this part. Missed the game in Seattle because he had last got lacerated by a skate against Colorado on the game before, and he had mm. a big gash in his uh-huh. chin. Uh-huh. And so somebody asked Lindy Ruff in the morning skate, I think she did, how his spirits were. And he said, oh, he's in good spirits. I tried to cheer him up. And I told him, keep your chin up. <laughs> now, I was standing right next to her when he said this. Oh, my gosh. He, Lindy Ruff was the most proud of that joke than anybody in the scrum. Oh, he was yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> looking around like, come on, guys. Got him. <laughs> That's good stuff. He was in less of a jokey mood after the game. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty confident that John does not have a tweet. Actually, I have one. Oh, okay. All right. You surprised me. Yeah. This one comes from Thomas underscore TDE. Okay. Appears to be a Calgary Flames fan. Okay. Uh, It says, Goudreau is three points back of McDavid for first in points, despite playing four minutes less per game. That comes out to about 300 minutes less the entire season. So, not funny, 
but very interesting. interesting. Oh. Yeah. So we never said these had to be fun. No, you're right. You're right. But we kind of lean that way. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I don't like humor. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'll hear about uh, it on the no, Discord. Yeah, yeah, mine comes from uh, the main Seattle Kraken uh, admins over there. Uh, and really, I'm not going to do this justice at all because it's just a video that I thought was a, worth a good chuckle. Uh, but go check it out, uh, The their latest question of the day video where the players are coming off the ice and they're just looking in the camera and reading a question. It just says, who has the best hair on the team? And I like that most of the guys call out Stucky, the, uh, the equipment manager, who is completely bald. So... Thought that was pretty funny. Nice, uh, good ben, look. It's yeah, good look. Yeah, friend of the pod Ben Guerrero makes a little uh, appearance in there too. Lobbying. Yeah, lobbying yeah, for himself. <laughs> He's got long hair. So, <laughs> and we now move on to Sound of Hockey's three stars. <laughs> My star of the week, I'm going to selfishly go first. I'm going with, we've talked about this gentleman a few times, very young gentleman, Connor Bedard, who became the youngest player in the history of the WHL to score 50 goals this week uh, with the Regina Pats. He is the real deal, is what we're gathering here. I mean, he's uh, he's been unbelievable in his 16-year-old season with the Regina Pats. So he's my star of the week. He really is, and he uh, he had 100 points this year mm-hmm. on a bad team, a team that didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the Connor Bedard show and Riker Evans, right? and then not much. Yep. So for him to put up those numbers, it's not like he's just getting great feeds left and right, <laughs> just you know, tapping in goals. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, a, he's the real deal. Uh, Andy, your star of the week. My star of the week is Vince Dunn. Have you heard mm-hmm. of him? I have. He had three assists in the game last night, or on Monday. Uh, and it's first time this series had three points, and he has had, he's had five assists in the last three games, and he now leads the Kraken with assists with 27. Mm-hmm. That's pretty Very impressive nice. for, for a defenseman. Okay. John, your star of the week? My star of the week is Adam Larson. Ah, the big uh, cat. The big cat. We still don't know say. why they call him big cat. He's a big boy, out. I think. He is. Um, but the game against Ottawa, I thought he was a flipping wrecking ball, and you know people were kind of going after him, but he wasn't having it i love the way he's played he's got three points in the last three games he just looked like a man on a mission last night and uh i think he's like a underrated player on the kraken even though a lot of people that watch him know he's really good but yeah, uh, i've really really impressed him, him last night uh against ottawa i thought that was cool he, he surprised me too you mentioned a while back that like he's got a little bit more offensive skill than yeah. people realize and yeah. he does he's got some some nice dangles he's got some big hits he he set up that Beneers goal you know last night so um yeah his I agree. career is interesting he before he got to the nhl he was like a top five pick i forget yep. how high he went to new jersey but he put up huge offensive numbers before he got to the nhl hmm. and it just never clicked that same way in the NHL, but he does have a career high in goals, I think, this year. He's drafted um, fourth overall. Fourth overall. Yeah. And But if you look at his numbers before he got to the NHL, I mean, he was, like, lighting it up. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes that doesn't always translate, but he's got all the other parts of that position down. And the trade was one for one. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's it for our Stars of the Week, and that's it for our show. Thank you so much to Vaughn Rohde for joining us and this congrats. week. And congrats. Congrats on your career. Uh, really, really cool to have you on and to take time out of your I mean, really, to take time out of your life this week. There's a lot going on, no question about it, so we appreciate it. Thank you to El Sidley, uh, gracias a El Sidley, <laughs> WSU Jeff, and A2600 for your great five-star reviews. Uh, please do leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we will talk to you all next week for episode 185. Cheers. Cheers.